welcome to Word Online. Hello and welcome to series 14 and episode 6 in which Jesus appears to his disciples in Galilee. We're going to be following the story from John chapter 21. In fact, we're going to be studying the whole chapter from verse 1 to verse 25. Well, we're getting towards the end of our account of the resurrection of Jesus, which has been the only topic of series 14. And it's been tremendously exciting for me to be able to go through these wonderful accounts of the resurrection of Jesus to conclude the story of the Gospels. We spent a lot of time before that, of course, uh, talking about the very dramatic events of the last week of Jesus's life leading up to his arrest in Gethsemane, his trial by the Sanhedrin, the Jewish, Jewish ruling uh, council, and then the decision by Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor, to execute Jesus under great pressure. He was reluctant. And then we saw the account of the crucifixion and the burial of Jesus. Such incredibly dramatic events, especially when you remember that that week started the previous Sunday with Jesus entering into Jerusalem in what's known as the triumphal entry on a Sunday that we now call Palm Sunday in the church's calendar when he was at the height of his popularity and people were really thrilled to see him and large crowds acclaimed him. This week was a was a was a roller coaster of events and it came to a conclusion dramatically on Easter Sunday. And so far most of what we've discussed in series 14 has been uh, concerning the events of Easter Sunday where there were a number of resurrection appearances. Jesus appeared first of all to Mary Magdalene uh, near the tomb, then to the other women, disciples near the tomb, then to Simon Peter in an unknown location, and also to the two disciples walking on the road to Emmaus, and then to a group of disciples, including 10 out of the 12 apostles, um, in a house behind a locked doors uh, in Jerusalem. And all those events took place on Easter Sunday, and we've studied them uh, in some detail in earlier episodes. And then in the last episode, we followed uh, John's account. And we're still going to be in John's account today because John adds in some significant uh, events uh, concerning the resurrection, as he does in all parts of his gospel. He adds in things that are not in the other three gospels. And uh, in the last episode, he added in a very interesting and significant episode in Jerusalem. He told us that this took place a week after Easter Sunday, when the apostles, which he calls the disciples in this context, are gathered together in Jerusalem in the same house behind the same locked doors that they were gathered uh, a week earlier, still fearful, anxious, not sure what's going to happen next. And he told us in the last episode that, uh, that Thomas, the apostle, was with them for the first time. He'd missed the events of Easter Sunday and he'd missed that uh, experience that the disciples have, had had um, 
with Jesus's resurrection in the house in Jerusalem. And so Thomas had his personal encounter with Christ, as described in the last episode, in the last section of John 20. So events have now uh, continued for at least a week after the resurrection. But interestingly, in our episode today, the location changes. And we're no longer in Jerusalem. Uh, We're back in Galilee. It's a long time since Jesus had been in Galilee. You'll remember from our accounts of the gospel narratives how he left Galilee with great determination and spent many months on the road as he headed towards Jerusalem. But it's interesting that Matthew uh, identifies the fact that Jesus would also return to Galilee in the period of the resurrection. So Matthew 28 verse 7 uh, gives the instruction that uh, an angel gave to the women uh, to tell his disciples the following message. He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. So The other gospel writers are aware of uh, this fact that Jesus is going to also appear in Galilee. But it's John who tells us the first appearance in Galilee um, after uh, the resurrection. Why would they go back to Galilee? It's a good question. They've been told that they need to be in Jerusalem to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. We saw that in the account in in Luke chapter 24, in the first appearance to the apostles as a group uh, in the in the house in Jerusalem behind closed doors. Um, uh, Jesus had said they'd need to remain remain in Jerusalem in order to be uh, experience the power of the Holy Spirit and then be launched into their mission. But it also appears that this other message about going back to Galilee for a period of time had also got through to the disciples. And we'll find them here in in John 21, back in Galilee. Now, thinking of this uh, a little bit more from a human point of view, from their own personal needs, um, it makes a lot of sense for them to have returned to Galilee for a season, for this reason. They were in Jerusalem for the Passover feast. When the Passover feast ended, which it had done by now, everybody dispersed from the city back to their homes. And so all their friends and all the people from Galilee would be returning to Galilee anyway. Not only that, but the disciples had depended on a common purse, um, a, a, a financial collection or money bag that was kept in fact it was Judas Iscariot who looked after it that supplied all their needs during the time they traveled with Jesus various people paid money into it and uh, provisions were bought for them for their accommodation and food as they traveled along the road well that no longer existed was no longer administered by Judas Iscariot who'd committed suicide was no longer organized by Jesus who wasn't with them So how were they going to earn money? Where were they going to stay? 
it makes sense to them for a period of time while they're waiting to see what happens next for them to return to Galilee to earn some money and to see their families. And these are probably the reasons why they had returned to Galilee. Let's read the story. John 21 verses 1 to 14, the first half of this story. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. But his disciples did not realise that it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment round him, for he'd taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards, or ninety metres. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. It's a very dramatic story. Here they are by the Sea of Galilee, their home area. And the decision to go fishing was a very obvious one. They were making money. As I indicated earlier on, they were going back to their earlier work. Peter and some of the others here, the sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, they were all fishermen. We know that from earlier in the story. But they have a frustrating time fishing and generally fishermen fished at night on the Sea of Galilee. That was an easier time to catch the fish, but they didn't catch anything that evening. It was a real surprise. But then comes this extraordinary encounter with this man who's talking to them from about 90 metres away and uh, calling out to them, advising them to put their net on the other side. And then they got this huge catch and suddenly they realised something miraculous was taking place. And uh, it was the disciple whom Jesus loved who made the initial uh, recognition, verse 7. Now we know from 
earlier statements in John that this disciple is anonymously named uh, several times through the last chapters of the gospel. And we know almost for certain that this is um, a reference to John himself. He recognised Jesus and Peter jumped in and rushed ashore and they had this amazing reunion on the beach where it was difficult to know really what to say to Jesus. It was such a shocking and surprising and moving and powerful event and it reminded them of something that had happened much earlier on in their lives at the very beginning of their ministry when as described in the beginning of Luke chapter 5 which we looked at in an earlier episode where Jesus again called out to the fishermen as they were fishing uh, Peter, Andrew, James and John in their boats uh, and they'd had a frustrating night fishing and they put their nets in again and got a huge um, haul of fish and Jesus said at that time that he would make them fishers of men. They'd had a very similar miracle take place on an earlier occasion and so there was this memory and it was a powerful moment for them. Jesus uh, is described here as appearing to them for the third time in verse 14. That's the third time he appears to the disciples as a group. First of all in the house behind locked doors in Jerusalem on Easter Sunday evening. Then in the same location a week later but with Thomas added. That's the second time and this is now a third time and there's a group of seven of the 11 remaining apostles gathered together on this occasion. The significance of this catch of fish we'll think about in just a moment, but we need to press on with the story because the second half of the story focuses down on an individual, and that individual is Peter. John has focused on Thomas earlier on because he missed uh, the experience of the resurre resurrected Jesus on Easter Sunday evening but now he's focusing on Peter and as soon as we think of Peter we remember very vividly that Peter's been through a tremendous trauma in these last few weeks and particularly around the time of Jesus arrest and trial and crucifixion because he denied three times to the servants of the high priest in the courtyard of the high priest that he even knew Jesus while Jesus was being tried inside. They questioned him, aren't you from Galilee? Aren't you one of his followers? And three times he said, no, he wasn't. He lied. Jesus had predicted that he would deny him. And then Peter was devastated and wept bitterly when he realized what he had done. Now, Jesus had already appeared to Peter on three occasions as, uh, as far as we can gather from the narrative so far on his own and twice in the room in Jerusalem behind the locked door but the focus on this particular of this particular passage is on the reinstatements of Peter there's a lot of emotional damage that's taken place in him as a result of things that have happened and things that he have he has done and Jesus senses that there needs to be a deeper restoration. Let's read uh, John 21 verses 15 to 24. When they'd finished eating Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon son of John, do you love me more than these? 
Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But you, when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what's that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumour spread among the believers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. It appears here that Jesus is taking a walk along the beach with Peter. They've had this breakfast, this amazing event. Seven disciples gathered around Jesus, preparing food for them from a fire he's made up and serving them with a food, a very powerful and moving occasion. But then Jesus takes Simon Peter aside and as the narrative goes on you realize they're going for a little bit of a walk along the sides of the lake and John uh, the disciple whom Jesus loved his his friend his particular friend is following them at a little bit of a distance that's the sort of picture we need to keep in our minds to understand what's going on here and Jesus is asking Peter to reaffirm his love for him, the priority of Jesus in his life, and then giving him a particular command, which comes three times, verses 15, 16, and 17, feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. What does this mean? This is um, a command to be a shepherd, to look after the church and we'll look at some of the details of that in just a moment and then Jesus predicted that Peter would be martyred the freedom to travel around and move and do what he wanted would be taken away from him and he would be martyred and then Jesus asked him to follow him even though the ultimate destiny of that decision would be Peter's death some years later and then there's a little bit at the end about John about whether he would uh, 
die a natural death or otherwise or not die at all before Jesus came again. All that Jesus is saying is to distinguish John's life and destiny from Peter's and that Peter would be a martyr. Now John underlines that he is an eyewitness and this is an eyewitness account in verse 24. We've noted many times how important this concept of the eyewitness account is in the stories of the Gospels. And so this account ends and John's Gospel ends with this well-known verse in verse 25. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. He's basically saying that he's telling only a very small part of the story of Jesus and particularly of the miracles of Jesus. He's encouraging us to think of Jesus having performed countless untold miracles in his lifetime. These are miracles, many of which John would have experienced, but he chose not to record them. And as I've stated in other episodes, he, he records seven major miracles uh, and he calls them signs. And they are representatives of the many hundreds of miracles that Jesus performed. We're coming to the very end of John's Gospel in this uh, episode. We'll be moving on to other material in the final episodes of um, our teaching. So it's a good moment just to pause and to reflect and to be very thankful that we've got John's Gospel. It provides a unique perspective on the life of Jesus. Time and again, it shed a different light on the story of Jesus. And this is because John wrote later than Matthew, Mark and Luke, as I've explained in earlier episodes. And it's also because he deliberately wanted to add in material that he felt would shed light on the story of Jesus. That's exactly what he's done in this episode here. None of this is recorded anywhere else in Matthew, Mark and Luke. Now, in terms of reflecting and thinking on the significance of this passage, first of all, it's important to say this is the seventh resurrection appearance identified in the Gospels and in the New Testament. It's the first one in Galilee and it's a remarkable and unique description, a remarkable and unique event and we're grateful that we see it. It obviously sheds a huge amount of light on the particular calling of Peter. Let's just think about that for a moment. Peter was the leader of the apostles. This is made clear in Matthew 16 uh, where Peter is uh, called out uh, during the uh, Caesarea Philippi discussion and his leadership of the apostles is uh, stated there. It's also implied uh, on the day of Pentecost by the fact that when the Holy Spirit came and crowds gathered, it was Peter who, who, who stood up to speak. And his leadership is identified very clearly throughout the New Testament, particularly in the book of Acts. But he's called upon here 
to a pastoral leadership role, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. And this is a combination of care and teaching. Peter has a particular responsibility for teaching, for shaping the doctrine of the church. He's one of the most important people in that particular responsibility. Amongst all the apostles, Paul plays a decisive role, but Peter is the overall shepherd and father figure of the developing doctrine of the church. And his responsibility is to uh, look after the church, which he does from his base in Jerusalem for many years and then as he travels around. And we see an interesting insight into Peter's understanding of this role in 1 Peter chapter 5 in verses 1 to 4, where he identifies the role of elders or pastors, the senior leaders of the church, with the following words. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's suffering, who will also share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being a good example to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Well, this passage indicates something of the heart and the call of Peter. And the church is healthy and strong when the pastors or elders of churches commit themselves to looking after the members of their church as a shepherd looks after a flock and also teaching them, bringing the word of God to them to strengthen them. Now that's the particular calling of Peter, but the restoration of Peter is a very interesting fact as well. There's some important uh, things going on there. And we're going to come back to that in a moment as we end our episode. But before we do that, just to mention again, the utter physicality of the resurrection is clear again. Jesus's loud voice booms across the Sea of Galilee. He's cooking, he's eating, he's walking, he's talking. These are all the actions of a physical person. The resurrection is totally physical. And all this is based on eyewitness testimony again, John's own testimony. John's own testimony is identified as the foundation for this story. And it's important to remember the miraculous catch of fish is a symbol of the spreading of the gospel and the gathering of people up into the kingdom of God that will happen and it gives confidence to the disciples to know that that is their calling. So let's end this episode with a few thoughts on the restoration of Peter. This is a, a story of emotional healing. Peter had denied Jesus three times and Jesus had appeared to him already three times, once on his own, twice with others. He knew the forgiveness of Jesus. He knew 
that he was still an apostle. He knew that his failure was not a total failure, permanent failure. It wasn't the end. He was being given another chance, even though it was very humbling to have to admit that at the point of Jesus's greatest need, he had deserted him by denying that he even knew him while Jesus was going through the agony of the trial before the Sanhedrin and the agony of anticipating uh, his crucifixion the following day. Peter still needed emotional healing. He needed a sense of connection with Jesus. He needed reassurance about forgiveness and he needed his calling to be restated. And that's exactly what Jesus did for him. This tells us an interesting fact. In our lives, particularly when we have experienced failure and sin, some of you will know exactly what I mean, things that you've done that you're deeply ashamed of, you know profoundly to be wrong, and have affected your life and the life of others, there can be a feeling that forgiveness is not enough, that you still feel empty inside, you still feel emotionally traumatised by the things you've done. Well, the great encouragement of this passage is that Jesus understands that. He wants to restore us at an emotional level, to give us confidence, as well as to give us actual forgiveness. He can forgive past failures, if he can forgive Peter for denying him three times, then he can forgive you for the things that you have done wrong. And as you ask him, so he will restore your emotional uh, health as well and your inner confidence. Peter's confidence was rebuilt on this day and it was only a few weeks later that he stood up boldly on the day of Pentecost and preached confidently and drew hundreds and hundreds of people into salvation in that moment. A great miracle happened for Peter. It can also happen for you. We'll continue with the story as we bring uh, our teaching to a conclusion uh, in the next two episodes. You have been listening to Martin Charlesworth for Word Online. To find out more, visit wordonline.org.